This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18+, plus. rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Right, welcome to the Chelsea Fancast uh, with me, Stamford Chidge. And it is, as always, fueled by Guinness, powered by celery. It's the show that still hasn't been sussed out by the competition. No. Hooray! Now, Chelsea under Sarri remain unbeaten in all competitions this season. And yet, after a 0-0 draw against Everton on Sunday, it remains a bit hollow as we dropped to third and four points behind City. I mean, it must be said that a much-improved Everton under Marco Silva played very well and rendered Chelsea impotent by targeting Hazard and Jorginho, thereby cutting Chelsea's supply line off. Mind you, it could have all been very different had Alvaro Morata not been offside when he put the ball in the onion bag, or William, Alonso and Hazard are all being denied by wrong choices or superb saves from Jordan Pickford. Uh, it does, though, beg the question of what happens if Sarri's system has been sussed out. Do we have a plan B? Will our open, impotent strikers be the root of our downfall? Well, well, we'll find out hopefully later on. Now, all in all, an attritional nil-nil stalemate seemed appropriate as we commemor- commemorated, easy for me to say, uh, the 100-year anniversary of the end of World War One. Thankfully, the trench warfare on the pitch did not lead to the senseless loss of life suffered by so many over a hundred years ago. The Chelsea Fancast, number 440, sussed. Now, on this uh, week, I'm, very de- I'm, I'm absolutely delighted with the guest that we've got on tonight, uh, which for, for reasons which will become apparent later on. But uh, first and foremost, we have, of course, the irrepressible Mr. Jonathan Kidd. Thank you very much, Chidge. Great to be here. Great to be irrepressible again. You are ah. indeed. You are indeed. Uh, we had fun on Friday, didn't we? I enjoyed that show. Yeah, great fun. Yeah, it was a goodie. It was a goodie. It's a very good show, uh, Mixed the Listeners, if anything haven't done it. it um, it's because we've got um, some some good guests come in, and uh, I know it's it's a bit tricky dealing with it because you've got all the ads going on in it, but there's a lot of sense being spoken, and uh, Clayton was um, was on fire, and uh, as was yourself, Chid, you were very mm. 
erudite. It was very good. Good show. Yeah. Very good. Good good guests as well. Good good for people who phoned in. Mixler, phone in. Phone yeah. in. Good we had three people. calls, didn't we? Aurelius again phoned in. He is mm. a legend. And um, uh, who else? Mike um, Burgess. Dan Burgess. Dan Burgess. Yeah. Dan, yeah. Dan Burgess. Phoned and Kendall in, uh, phoned in too, didn't he? Kendall phoned. Yeah, yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic phone calls as well. Really All good. Anyway, I've got some bumper news about next Friday's show for the peeps later on, so keep your ear, ear rolls uh, very much open for that. Now, other than uh, the wonderful Jonathan, I'm delighted to say that we have the absolute Chelsea legend that is Mr. Gate17 himself, Mr. Marco Worrell. Hello, Marco. How are you? Missed you this weekend. Buonasera. Sono mm. irresistible. Um, <laughs> But you have to be careful how you use the word legend now. I know. That's why I called you legend. Oh, yeah. God, <laughs> you do, don't you? Bloody hell. Marco, rest assured, in my eyes, you will always be a Chelsea legend. Rest assured of that. Um, you're just a legend, mate. Yeah, you're exactly. You, you don't even need to have it qualified by Chelsea in front of it because you're a legend enough on your own, mate. Uh, now, there, I, I, as always, it's great to have Marco on the show, but there's good reason tonight because uh, Marco can... Regale us with tales from the CFC UK 200th edition party and book fair that was happening after the game against Everton. And uh, as we all know, because I moaned about it all last week, I was neither at the game on Sunday or the book fair and I am still absolutely sulking. Now, luckily, uh, we've got somebody on the show who never sulks, ever, not once, not one teeny little bit. And uh, there again, uh, it's very uh, you know portentous that Alex is on the show tonight because, of course, Alex was... Very, very instrumental in writing a fantastic book about Chelsea footballers and the Great War. And uh, I've had a sneaky look at her new blog, which tells everybody what she was up to yesterday. And my God, were you doing some good work yesterday, Alex. Well done, you. It's just gone up online with lots of pictures as well. Lovely, lovely. Yeah. yeah well, I'm we're... so worn out, though. I yeah, can't take any more cheer. I've got to do this blog lying down, so if I fall asleep, just shout really loudly we to will. wake me up. Okay? We will. Alex, did you, did you get to see uh, Ross Barkley's bum? Do you know what? I I was able to tweet, genuinely, I'm waiting for Ross Barkley to get out of the shower yesterday. Because I was. He was the last one through to say hello, because he'd been in the uh, changing room larking about and having having a chat with the Everton lot and so he was the last to leave the ground and uh yeah we waited for him but no uh someone came out and announced to me that he was in the shower who shall remain nameless and uh I said is that an invitation and I was pretty much told no uh, in quite brutal terms never mind now listen uh if you can bear it, we we do want you to tell us all about your day yesterday um, because it sounds fantastic and I know the listeners would love it. So I will shout very loudly if I feel you're falling asleep. Because so, we, do, we do whine a lot and we actually we need to give Chelsea some credit. We do. We? I, do you know what? That was uh, Apart from the obvious thoughts, that was the first thought that occurred to me. But more of that later. Now, uh, on the show tonight, we're going to be pondering whether Chelsea has been sussed. Uh, and will the opposition use Everton's performance as a blueprint to stifle Chelsea? In part two, we address the lack of, quality, of a quality striker again. We bemoan the incompetence of Premier League referees. We ask whether it should be the supporters who lift the team or the team who should lift the supporters after Louise's exhortations to the Matthew Harding lower. And with Chelsea seemingly way behind a rampant Man City, we ask how will Sarri manage expectations this season? Uh, part three, we've got a couple of superb emails. They really are crackers, actually, for Jonathan to read out. Uh, one from Canada and one from, uh, 
I think it's uh, Pittsburgh. If you, I, I'll check later. But anyway, uh, anyway, we've also got a question or two to answer about that, so that'll be fun. And uh, in part four, to wrap up uh, in our little Chelsea specials bit, we're going to include a chat with uh, Marco, as I said, about the CFC UK party yesterday. And uh, we're going to talk to Alex about how Chelsea helped her commemorate Remembrance Day. And of course, we'll have a, the usual roundup of the, the shout-outs for various Chelsea-related things. Now, don't forget... You can listen to the show live every Monday yeah. at 7pm by going to Mixler, mixlr.com forward slash Chelsea-Fancast, where, of course, you can join in the chat by posting on the live chat page. And, of course, you know, feel free to tweet us at ChelseaFancast2. Now, there's a... Uh, I have to say, Jonathan, I have to report there are less people in Mixler than there normally are. This, that, this saddens me, I have to say. This saddens me. But what cheers me up is the fact we have got the usual suspects in there, including in no particular order, Planet Earth is Blue, English Dan, Brad Beavers, Benji Toe, Jacaranda Chick, the wonderful, wonderful Matt Jazz, Brian Paul, John Chips Chiverton, Bert Stoltz, Boomer2453, I saw Alan May scored. Talking of which, I met somebody who saw Alan May score last week. But anyway, that's another story. So anyway, lovely to have you lot in there. Go and phone your mates and get them to join us because it's it's you know it's less it's less than normal. I don't know what we've done to upset you, but there you go. I think they're depressed, Chidge, by the fact. I that think we maybe they are. Win. Well, this will cheer us all up because there's somebody in there whose uh, avatar name is Maratta's Lost Penis. <laughs> and, uh, he has he has sprouted a vagina. I think he might have done. And uh, and Maratta's lost penis says, "I love this show." Well, Maratta's lost penis, we love you too. So there you go. Now, uh, after a very short interlude, uh, we'll be talking football. Yeah, I mean, a weird old day for me, uh, you know, not at the match uh, for very dull and tedious reasons, uh, but I kind of watched it. Um, and I was saying to Marco before we went on air that I watched it on a mahoosive TV uh, at a mate's house, uh, which was in 4K. So the pictures were were amazing. And I, and, I, and I had wonderful, wonderful views of the Chelsea fan cast Kerry Dixon banner, which, uh, which was visible many times throughout the match much to my delight and at that point i realized that that on my tv i can't really make it out which is tells me how crap my tv is but there you go anyway enough of all that nonsense uh the thing that i really took away from the game yesterday was the fact that i mean everton i thought actually played very 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 well they pressed and closed uh closed us down and they they did stop the supply line of Jorginho and hazard um and in a sense I mean, it was really odd, you know, because at the time I, I thought, why has he taken Jorginho off? You know, and then it kind of dawned on me that he really had no option because they just stifled him to such an extent. Lowest number of passes this season for him. So there you go. So, you know, Jonathan, uh, you know, in a sense, as I said, I mean, you know, one has to hand it to Everton. I thought they, they really, I mean, Marco Silva's clearly a, a, a pretty good coach. He kind of worked it out, didn't he? I thought they were a nasty little team. Oh, yeah. Go the most saying. vicious performance I've seen from them. 
And I actually don't think that we were in a bad state because we were all over them in the second half. I think we just started very slowly again. Um, and they did have a plan. And uh, they uh, you just know that you can't play that way against us without becoming knackered. And they were knackered in the second half because yeah. they ran down everything. And I don't think it's all gloom and doom. I appreciate that Jorginho was stifled. And I, pre- I, think, I don't think Hazard was stifled. I just don't think he played very well. Um, uh, and, and Kovacic... Kick, kicked again, Jonathan, as well. Yeah, he was. He was, absolutely. But I, Friend was... It was possibly the worst performance by a referee at Stamford Bridge this season. It was absolutely useless. He, he is Ab- a trouser enthusiast. Yes, he completely, <laughs> Marco, completely. It was, it was, he, he was absolute rubbish. And uh, and so was the linesman. They just, uh, oh God. And he struts about and he's so fond of himself making these crap decisions. Um uh, it was so obvious that it was a penalty. Well, again, I'm going to get on to this later. Jorginho, uh, Jonathan, focus. Uh, focus yeah, sorry, Jorginho. I've gone off. I've just went, I went off. I had this vision of Morata being being almost... Don't. Get it out of your mind now. Oh, no, yeah, I've got, it. I've got rid of it. I've got rid of it. Um, yeah, no, I, th- I thought it was clever, clever uh, uh, preventing him from playing. And I felt he was a bit petulant in fouling Sigurdsson the way he did. But um, uh, he was very frustrated because he, he wasn't in the game. But um, uh, I, you just know with the way that we play that the opposition can't keep it up. And uh, and I, I've, I I didn't come away thinking it was a disaster. I came away, obviously, excuse me, deflated, but nonetheless thinking, well, he'll, he'll find a way around it. And, and I think one of them, we you talked about it earlier, I think we'll, we'll get onto this. He needs to find a striker because uh, we would have won that easily. In the second half, we had about four, four guilt-edged chances we should have put away. I think, um, Jonathan, I, th- I think that's a really good point, actually. And, I, and, I, and I'm, I'm sorry if I, I, I sounded a bit doom and gloomy about it. I, I'm not, actually, at all. I'm, I'm doom and gloomy about the fact that I wasn't bloody well there. But you're right, you know. I mean, Alonso could have had a hat-trick. I mean, that yeah, free yeah. kick was inches wide. The also, as you said, Pickford was at, played out of was, his skin. Yeah, and it makes did. you realise yeah. what he even... Even the moments when he, he the, the, I think William, he got out so quickly that William's target lessened. But he should have, William should have played the ball to Morata, of course. But, but one, one, one begs the question as to why he didn't. No, indeed, but also I think probably because he was, he thought he'd be offside. Um, you know, we will get onto this again. But um, uh, uh, I thought Morata was once again feeble. So, but yeah. um, um, but no, yeah, but I. I I didn't see. I don't see it as a problem. And around me, there were people shouting out, "You know, stop going backwards!" Which is that ridiculous thing they're doing. Louis, stop punting those balls up front. You think, well, he can't do anything else because they're pressing so yeah. much. Um, but we, but but it, it's knackering, and we're still a very good side. He's got to somehow, though. I think it will. In, if the first, we, we we play badly for the first ten to fifteen minutes in every game. We we have it sort of gets us going. We need to get going. And in this instance, it took twenty five minutes. But then after that, even Sarri said so himself. For the next sixty five minutes, I think they played really, really mm. well. I mean, just they should they should have won. That <clears throat> yeah. that's why I'm depressed. I'm, I'm, I'm frustrated yeah. by it. Frustration is a good word, won. I think, because it, it was frustrating. I mean, you know, I mean, weirdly. When you're, I mean, it's odd. The difference between watching it there and watching it, you know, on a TV somewhere else is, is 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 palpable. But I mean, I actually thought, you know, with a bit of cold reflection, it was quite an entertaining game. There was lots of incidents, and as you said, we could have banged the goals in. Alex, um, you know, uh, I, I am a bit worried actually. Um, the fact that you know Everton so effectively managed to stifle Jorginho. 
and and also Hazard. I mean, they didn't they didn't. I mean, and, and Silver admitted this in the presser afterwards, didn't he? And yeah, um, can I just say though that none of you have mentioned is that the, really the only reason they were stifled because that dickhead Kevin, not my friend, had both Kante and Jorginho on yellows. He didn't have. He didn't book Kante. Jorginho, <laughs> in fairness, should have been sent off. Mm-hmm. Sure, yeah. Kante was books as well. Well, I'm going to check, but... Uh, okay. Look, the, the but yeah, Jorginho was on a yellow card, so he couldn't play like he usually plays anyway. Um, but yeah, they, they did kind of, but like you say, we should have should have scored. Um, and I think Sarri's, Sarri was really pissed off in the post-match press conference about the first 27 minutes. I think he specifically yeah. said 27, and he, he had the hump about them. Um but then he said, and to be honest, it summed up the whole day. He said, you are always going to get one of these games in a season where you deserved a bit more than you got, i.e. the three points. And he said, everyone is going to have them. And I think he said he just hopes Liverpool and City have them soon. He says, but everyone is going to get games where they're frustrated on a day and they don't get what they deserve. And he just said, he said himself, he had all the stats to hand and he started pouring them out about how the thing he wants to change is that I think he says something about 81 touches in the opposition half and not converting that to enough attempts on goal. And that's what he wants to concentrate mm. on. Alex, you're right about Canty. I take that all back. He was booked on 33 minutes. And you're right. Yeah, you get booked they were early. both booked yeah. early, both of them. 28 they minutes should. for Jorginho. Yeah, and, yeah. and he, uh, he missed a fucking challenge right in front of um, us as well, where we were in the East End. And... Um, not touch the Everton player for it, which was frustrating because he then started pulling his cards out for stuff that was innocuous compared to the stuff. It was uh, typical course. friend, typical friend. But I, I, can I just say, I felt that five minutes thing at the end where, uh, what, what's his name, River, what's, what's his bloody name, Rick Richardson fell over um, with, with six minutes to go, whatever it was, and fell over and just stayed there. It was exactly the same as the United game. Uh, there was got- no football for the last 25 minutes. No, they've got to do something about it, referees. It's absolutely feeble. Yeah. They, they get sucked into this and somehow accept it when the yes. opposition is not attempting to play and is purely attempting to run the clock down. He it gave is... Pickford four warnings to hurry up. Yeah, yeah. And, and then didn't add it on. Only five minutes. You know, five minutes with Charleston and the substitution was five minutes. Well, we saw add, um, add Sorry, go no, sorry, you said it. Yeah, yeah. What, no, we what, said we saw Mariner turn around and say, like, five minutes, he held up five fingers towards the bench. And yeah, yeah. A little bit. No, he, loopy, so I the same, and he, and he yeah, put yeah. Up board, and this was before anything had happened. I think there was a delay after that. It made no yeah, difference. Yeah, absolutely, and he still didn't add it on. But then, yeah. oh, what were we doing in those last two minutes of extra time trying to well, play well. it out from the back and that? Just bloody, do you know what? I do think... I do think he got the substitutions wrong. He had to take one of those two off in midfield because they weren't effective. They were both on yellow cards. Like you say, there was stifling Jorginho. Um, and he had Barkley warming up the whole time. And that was, I thought, the chance, the, cho- the change he made. But then he brought Fabregas on. And then he brought... Um, who else did he bring on next? Pedro. And then he brought on Barkley. And for me, it would have been Barkley, Pedro, Giroud. Well, poor old Barkley tried too hard, didn't he? He that did, was... didn't he? Yeah, but he did, you know, what? he dealt with them very well. He ran down there and they started with the, the uh, greedy <clears throat> bastard stuff. And he uh, he just, uh, you know, when just like it was the home fans and they were cheering, he just sort of applauded them and went, hi, guys, and did his routine and, and wasn't flustered and warmed up exactly where he'd always warm up and didn't pay any attention to it. I mean, they were really savage as well. Um, 
you could hear from where we were the personal insults, like just the one-offs, not the chanting, the pe- things people were shouting at were pretty horrific. Um, and he did all that fine and then stepped onto the pitch and fell apart a bit, didn't he? Yeah, completely. So anyway, Marco, um, I'm going to ask you the same question, really. Um, I know you, you actually you actually tweeted about this earlier today. I don't know I, I don't know if you wrote a blog or not. But, I mean, look, my, my worry is, is that I thought, I think, as I said earlier, I think Silver's a smart coach. And I think they executed it very well. I agree with Jonathan. I think they are a snidey bunch. And of course, you know, we're not always going to get a referee that's as, com- as, as incompetent as friend, although something tells me actually most of them are about his level of incompetency. But what really worries me, mate, is that, you know, we see this all the time, don't we? Year in, year out in the Premier League, uh, you know, teams will come up with a slightly different way of playing. And then about, you know, two, three months into the season, people work them out and they, 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 have, they find a system to counter it. Um, so... A, I'm worried that this has happened to us, and B, I worry about the fact, do we have a plan B, notwithstanding the fact, and I agree with both Jonathan and Alex there, that, you know, on another day we might have won that two or three, you know, let's be let's be honest here. But I am a bit concerned, and I'm wondering if you are too. Um, I, th- I think, sort of, to, t- to go one step back, I, I was surprised Jorginho um, played on Thursday. So... Uh, well, Fabregas was ill, I think, that's why. Well, even so, um, you know, I think there was an element of fatigue. I think in Mourinho's uh, play, not not least because of the way Silver set uh, Everton up. Yeah, I mean, he, you know, sort of Gomez and Gay. You know, you know what they were going to always do. They were going to be all over him. But he also had um, Sigerson and Richarlison, didn't he? So basically, he had four men. Um, stifling Jorginho and in the end he just ended up kicking Sigurdsson didn't he yeah. sort of midway through the first half so he was already wound up by it all sort of halfway through the first half and I'm just wondering you know if part of that might have been an ele- there might have been an element of fatigue in there as well as frustration and I think you know all credit to Everton because you know if you, if you go back it used to be, I don't know, United, I'll take United as an example, come to Stamford Bridge and shackle Hazard and it's job done, isn't it? And they get Ander Herrera on Hazard. doesn't matter about the rest of the team. Well, they actually managed to, do, they managed to, I mean, all the, you know, got all the headlines. Um, but, but I think Hazard was kept, kept pretty quiet as well. So tactically, um, yeah, Everton rode their luck. Uh, Can I just... Sorry, can I just say that they asked um, Silver in the press conference if he concentrated on Hazard, and he said if he turned up and just concentrated on being on Ed and Hazard, all the others would have smashed him and completely denied it. But um, yeah, I was talking rubbish. I thought they targeted Hazard very well. Yeah, exactly. So I think you know, instead of targeting one man, um, they target the two key players in the side successfully. And then, you know, Jordan Pickford plays like Gordon Banks and we don't score a goal. Um, does it mean that all the other teams we're going we're gonna to play are going to do the same? I'm, I'm not sure because they probably don't necessarily have the, um, you know, the, the, the coach there who, who can sort of put his, his thoughts in, into his players' minds to execute a plan on the pitch. Um, but it is a concern. I, you know, I do wonder. You know, if you look at Chelsea's fixtures now, 
Um, you know, all this brouhaha about unbe being unbeaten, that goes straight out the window if, if, if we don't maintain being unbeaten against Spurs. Um, you know, and God forbid, uh, people will start asking questions. You know, all, all the um, Sarri Easters and uh, flicks like Sarri and uh, Sarri Edition and all these guys who've um, been championing Sarri as the best coach um, in in the world for, for the last few months. You know, if, if he just turns up and tries to play the same game against Spurs and then, you know, a couple of weeks after that, it's Man City, um, you know, that'll be a rude awakening. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I just wonder, my, my biggest concern is, and I know, you know, I've heard all this, um, you know, Jorginho's the regista, you know, that's his position. And Kante, you know, whether he's got to play out wide. I was watching, you know, what's interesting, the point was made um, by Gary Hayes, actually, yesterday, and the, they did the, their little podcast thing at the show last night. Made a very interesting point that he doesn't actually um, get to go to games as much this season because he's, he's not covering them for BR. Uh, so he watches them on TV. And what he, sa what he said the difference was and what I was doing yesterday, I was actually watching Kante off the ball. And if you just watch games on TV... You know, the cameras are where the ball is, so you can't see what's going on off the ball. Um, you know, I, 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 it just made me cry sometimes watching Kanter. What are you doing there? Um, what was he doing there? Well, you know, he, he just looks like a fish out of water, you know. And I've said before, jokingly, you know, there's been a couple of games when, he, when he's been spent more time on the wing than uh, John McLean in Die Hard 2. Um you know, I just think that's a shocking waste of talent. And I think Sarri, you know, if something's not working, um, you know, I just wonder if that had been Guardiola in charge of Chelsea, 20 minutes in, he'd have, he'd have switched something in terms of the way Chelsea were playing that game. But, you know, as Alex said, you know, it just went on and on and on. And then the substitutions were made and you sort of went, hmm, you know, why then? Why that order? Why why those people? Uh, and, it, and it's a concern. And, I, and I, you know, and I don't subscribe to the theory about, well, it, you know, he's still two players short of the ideal Sarri ball team. You know, he's, he's Jorginho is Sarri, isn't he? The, the two are joined at the hip. So, um, it's... It's not. It's not a lot, an alarming concern, but I think you know, in a month's time, um, when you're discussing the Man City game we've on that on that show, it might be a very different uh, conversation if you know if we've been put under pressure and things have happened and um, there's been no you know clearly no no thought put into changing Chelsea's game plan. Um, either in game or to to uh, the way they face up to you know different opponents. Mm. Okay, good stuff, Marco. Right after the break, uh, we're going to carry on this stuff that we're talking about. I might pick up on Marco's point about the hollowness of being unbeaten, uh, and uh, obviously we're going to talk about the lack of quality strikers, 
the incompetence of Premier League referees and uh, should it be supporters who lift the team or should it be the team who lift the supporters and lots of other stuff too. We'll see you in a minute. The only place for Chelsea fans. Footballfancast.com Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy and you're listening to Chidge and the boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. Right, welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge. This is the Chelsea Fancast and uh, I am joined uh, this week by the lovely Jonathan Kidd, as always. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Whoop, whoop, whoop. I was, I'm sorry, Jonathan, that's not a very, you know, convincing whoop, whoop, whoop. Sorry, so whoop, whoop, whoop. That's much more, that's much more better. It's much more better, actually. Better. It's much you. more better. We've got the absolutely delightful uh, Alex Churchill. Hello. Hello. And we've got the. Uh, I mean, I'm just going to. I'm just going to stick with the theme I started with. The absolute legend that is Mark Worrell. Hello, mate. <laughs> great stuff. I've been looking forward to this show for a while, actually. I've got to be honest. It's great having, you know, you two joining me and Jonathan, for so many reasons. Now, uh, okay, picking up from where we left off in part one, uh, Marco made a very interesting point. It, 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 you know, I think. Um, you know, I can't, in a sense, you know, concurring with what I think. I mean, it's all very nice being unbeaten and breaking records and everything, but uh, you, you know, there is a hollowness to it for me, uh, particularly when you start drawing a lot of matches. Um, you know, we always remember, you know, the Arsenal Invincibles, who, you know, ended up drawing perhaps too many matches, although they still won the title that year, obviously. So, you know, sometimes there's more to it than that. And we, we have dropped a fair few points. And I, I read somewhere we've, we've drawn three of our last uh, four home games. And it kind of begs the question, are we, are we struggling a bit at home? Is this kind of symptomatic of, you know, what we were saying a bit earlier on, that, you know, maybe teams are working out Sarri's system a little bit, you know? And, and I mean, one of the things that I, we didn't talk about in part one, Jonathan, was that apart from everything else that Everton did yesterday, they were very organised. Very, very organised. I thought so. Yeah. Only in the first half. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I concede oh. that point absolutely. Because I mean, then, you know. then they just, then they just played dark arts football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just yeah. tried to waste as much time as possible and and roll over and and throw themselves to the ground. And it was you needed a really firm hand. You needed a um, a Michael Oliver being the uh, the ref rather than friend mm. who wouldn't wouldn't stand for it. And I'm a fan of his. I think he's. Uh, uh, he, he, he just won't he won't tolerate that kind of thing whereas friends too into into himself mm. you know the 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 thing with um uh bernard as he calls himself and uh, and rudiger um uh, which didn't deserve either of them being booked or if he, if he couldn't see it, it was a complete cop out it's what mm. you do you're told to do it if you don't know what's going on you go out and book them both. It's an old ploy. It's just a well, I, which is absolutely arse gravy, mate. I, I, it I is. mean, look, let, let's talk about Kevin Friend now because I know you can't resist it. So, <laughs> you know, let's just do it. You know, can we um, just refer to no, him no, by his hang, proper no, name? Just hang on a second, Alex. Um, I want to, you know, just pick up on Jonathan's point here because, you know, there should have been sendings off, and I think to be even-handed for for both sides. I mean, Mina on Hazard. What do you think about that, J.K.? Yeah, awful. awful. So that was awful. a red card for you. Awful. Um, well, the difficulty was was that the content. He saw it. If he saw it, he should have at least booked him. 
didn't even book him, did he? Yeah. Um, I mean, I madness. Think, uh, did he not book him? I think he did. Is this the early one that led to yeah, the Yeah, 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 early on. No, he didn't book him, no. Well, I mean, I'll be honest with you. You know, when I first saw that, um, I think he did book him because... I'm checking again, but I, I don't think he did because I was I, I I you know I thought it was a foul, but not not worth a yellow at the time. But you know everybody seems to be saying, oh, it should have been a red, it should have been. But well, all red. the Everton for Everton fans went mad that he was faking it, didn't they? The Everton fans were oh, really fuck them. spiky beyond belief. So they're obviously going with this uh, with with the man. He's got four out of five wins, hasn't he, over the last the yeah. last matches? Four or five wins a draw, and he said it means that they've arrived if they can do this to top. Um, to top teams well if you can cheat and just just you know the second half just destroy the tempo of the game if that's a way of arriving well good luck to you what not, about not... what about um bernard or or bernard as i prefer to call him on Rudiger? because when i saw that i mean i'll be honest with you you know i mean yes he did try and headbutt him but i mean the furthest he would have got would have been his kind of navel i think so <laughs> you know i thought rudiger made an absolute meal of it but nevertheless, he should, you know, Bernard should have been booked, but not Rudiger. I mean, what on earth was all that about? I mean, that's what you were going on about a minute ago, wasn't it? Well, I, why does he do that? Why did why did Friend book them both? No, I said because that's that's what you do when you're not sure. That's what you do. Oh, when that's you pathetic. Just, but that's an old old referee's ploy. It's what you do. It's the basic. You just think I don't really know what's going on here. I've possibly been advised by the linesman that something's happened, so I'll just book them both. You know, it's a. It, 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 he can't make a judgment to some extent. This is why you need VAR because yeah, all of these absolutely. things. Are, well, well, it, it, these things would never happen once VAR is in. The players won't stop, won't do it. That, yeah. that the, everybody will clean their act up because they know that they'll be they can be forensically examined. So this kind of thing will never happen. In the same way that Silver won't be able to tell his players just to fall over and roll about to to disrupt time because the referee will be able to see they're diving and caution them. With VAR, VAR has to come in. It's coming it's, in it's, next it's, season. It's Joe kind of a, the decision to do it, not to do it this year, was just bizarre. Oh well, the they, apparently, just as a bit of a tangent, um, other than the fact that they really wanted to check it out and make sure that they didn't uh, inflict on us the chaos of last season in the cup, you know, when we had no idea what was going on, they wanted to make yeah. sure they got all that sorted out. And the other thing is to to sort that out. Every Premier League ground has to have a big screen. So that you know these things can be seen, and there's more uh, communication about the decisions. Yeah, so, fair enough. So there actually there are you know not all clubs have big screens apparently. So there's something like that. I I know this because I was at the Premier League structured dialogue meeting, and that's what Scudamore uh, said. By the way, at Bournemouth, the screen would be so large it, it would it would reduce the. Uh, it would be bigger the, than the ground, mate. Exactly, exactly my yeah. point. By the way, Mina did get booked for that on Hazard. Twenty-two oh, he minutes. Did. Oh, okay. Now look, the last one, uh, Jorginho on Sigurdsson. Now, when I when I saw that, mate, I thought, I thought, mate, that's a red card all day long. That was nasty. That was edge to that. I thought. But he got in twice, didn't he? Yeah. At the time, I I didn't. You know, we looking at it. I had no idea. From I just thought he scragged him, but uh, no, he did. Got a double thing, and he twisted his ankle, and he's he's out, isn't he, from playing for Iceland? It was. I was surprised he came back on actually. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, absolutely. It was it was a vicious foul. But let's talk about other aspects of friend. Let's um, please do very very quickly. The the, the the Murata being landed on was so obviously a penalty. Well, he was held, Jonathan, like he, like, no, like, he, like Mina did in the World Cup. Yeah, he played for Colombia, didn't he? Against absolutely, yeah. absolutely. He did a weird thing of pointing and sort of uh, as if it was kind of 
six of one, half a dozen of the other. And you go, well, no, he's not looking at the ball and he's just landed on him. You know, and it was a penalty from the East stand. And looking on match of the day, it was even more of a penalty. It was obviously a penalty. You just go, what is the matter with the referee? And what similarly is the matter with the linesman? I really hate this business of linesmen being able to see stuff and they just, nothing happens. Because of course he saw it, the linesman, nothing. Whether friend made the decision, he did this thing of pointing his arms out as if to say, and weighing up a balance, I think is what he was doing, which is supposed to mean six of one, half a dozen of the other. No, it's not. Morata's looking at the ball, and you're taught this at very early stages of, of refereeing classes. It's easy to tell when somebody's committing a foul if they're not looking at the ball and you have contact and you they end up then end up lying on the floor. It's a foul because they haven't looked at the ball and therefore they're not interested in playing the ball. They're playing the man. So that was really elementary stuff. Mm. Is it true, Jonathan, that referees who wear glasses don't go to classes? Uh, I think they wear contact lenses, don't they? Okay, they fair enough. Listen, I've had a very good. I've had a good uh, post on uh, on Mixler from the wonderful. Uh, actually, there's some hilarious ones here. But first, from John Chiverton, feigning injury is unsportsmanlike and therefore bookable, which actually is a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Complete, but that would be the case if it's VAR. It'll there'll be less and less of it. Yeah, but in the same way, in the same way, I think I've said this before on the program. Um, when the ball is kicked short, um, uh, which madness as you were saying Alex about the shortness of playing out when you need to get the ball up there the other end when the ball is kicked short and you stop it from going out for a goal uh, out of the area um, I was told it's uh, it's ungentlemanly conduct and bookable but they all do it now everybody does it and the referee just gets you to take the the, the, uh, the goal kick again so that's a really weird one it just shouldn't be a tactic of football that you sit there and instead of chalking up your formation on which way you're going to run and drawing all the little arrows, you just write time waste the fuck out of the game as a tactic for winning yes. it or drawing yes. it. It's, it should be just curbed. And he did. He stood there and he kept waving his hand at Pickford as if to say, come on, just yes. book him. Yes. Book him the, the second time he does it. He did it. in the end. Yeah, but you book you don't book him five minutes from the end or whatever. He booked him on 73 minutes. Yeah, yeah but he'd been running him before gone. half time. Yeah, he should, absolutely. He should have booked him for half time. They were, they were, they were time wasting early on. But they it started it, on it, four minutes. Yeah, it, it's it's a Mourinho ploy as well, isn't it? When he's not got a very good side. Yeah, I mean the ultimate performance of it was when he came to the bridge with Inter. That was the ultimate. Yeah, there it was. Fifteen minutes left, and I counted, and I think it was about two and a half minutes of actual football. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Right, okay, enough of that twerp, Kevin Friend. Uh, Marco, let's talk about uh, our lack of strikers. I've I got to be honest, mate. Whilst I did say last week that it's too, you know, you, you can't pass judgment on, on Morata until we've had him for a, a second season, I don't think. But I'm beginning to wonder. Uh, he was offside five times, you know, including what should have been the winning goal, you know. And we would be talking about this match in an entirely different light. But I've got to be honest, mate. For me, uh, it's his attitude, man. You know, the petulant whining to the ref and then getting booked for dissent again. You've got, you've got, he's got to, like, cut it out. I, I mean, for me, that's another indication of there's something wrong There's something wrong with his mentality and his attitude. And, I mean, you know, you can have all the skill and all the talent in the world and all the will to win, but if, you, if your mind's not right, if, I mean, because it speaks to me of a massive sense of injustice that he carries. And, you know, that's not good. You know, I want strikers who believe in themselves. And I don't think he does, mate. And I've got to, I've got to worry about that. I've got to be honest. Well, I, I, 
hear everything that you're saying and I don't disagree with it. And, you know, I think it was kind of, he must have been born offside, um, Morata. But um, he, there was a, there was a sort of sense, uh, or maybe it was just a hope that he kind of turned a corner um, of late because he hadn't been, you know, he had started to find the net, um, you know, and he was head up. Um, not looking at the ground and not doing the cynical stuff. But, you know, yesterday was a cynical game and I, I, I don't know. Um, I don't know. You, I think you're right. I don't think his head's in the right place. Um, I think he struggles with the pressure, as a lot of um, Chelsea young younger Chelsea players have done. Um, you know, struggled with that pressure of expectation um, I think that's a problem I don't think he got over last season either um, I, I just don't know I mean clearly you know he's probably thinking they're going to sign another striker and I don't I, you know how does that how does that affect you if you're meant to be the main striker at a club play it, better but well well it should do and as I said you know I thought he'd kind of turn the corner um, because his performances recently suggested that. But yesterday was a cynical game and you could argue, you know, nothing really went right for Chelsea in terms of um, they didn't get the rub of the green when they did get chances. Uh, and, you know, Everton was set up to, to do a number on Chelsea. And, you know, within all of that is, is Alvaro Morata. But clearly... Uh, and you kind of, this kind of goes back to, um, you know, Sarri's kind of inflexibility and um, lack of plan B. Uh, you know, I accept the fact that um, I, I, I do admire him for Sarri for persisting with Morata in the way he has, but up to a point because, you know, it's now, it's now getting to uh, the point where, in, in a game, you know, we've drawn too many games this season. Why is that? Well, clearly because we haven't scored enough goals. So I think you have to sort of analyse why that is as a manager and, you know, plan for something different. And I'm not suggesting for one minute, you know, all the sort of the PlayStation kiddies going, play Hudson Adoy, uh, you know, or the, play the youth brigade. I, I, I don't think that's the solution. Um, but you know, Conte for all his faults, he, he he would he would try other stuff. You know, he'd fiddle around with Hazard as a false nine. Um, you know, it would just be nice. It would have been nice in that game yesterday, as I said earlier, for Sarri to say, right, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull Jorginho off or push him forward. I'm gonna put Kante in there. And I'm going to play with two up front or, you know, whatever. Just make it different and make it look like, right, OK, Everton have got us worked out, but I've got a plan B. We're going to do this. We'll play two up front um, or, or a false nine, whatever it is. And we're going to go for goals. Uh, and, you know, that's the difference. That is the difference between Chelsea and Man City at the moment. You know, yes, yeah, City have got a lot of players, but they've got a manager who, who isn't afraid of taking players off and changing the way he goes about winning a game of football. You know, and until Sarri gets 
to that point where he's either got he believes he's got the players to do that for him, um, or, or he's willing to change the way he plays, then we're going to get caught short. And I, I think if you kind of look back at Sarri's um, career, I know we've kind of sort of deviated away from um, the Maratta subject, but you know if, if you kind of look back, there's a there's a similar story. Um, you know, in his seasons managing uh, Napoli, you know, he had a, comes out of the blocks really well, fit team playing to a plan, and then, and then it kind of stumbles and stutters. You know, he has a close nucleus of players. Um, I don't know that that that's as big a con- that's perhaps a bigger concern for me than Maratta, who you know, kind of Maratta is Maratta, isn't he? Right. Yeah, I, I get that. I mean, fair point, Mark. I've got to be honest. I mean, you know, look, if, if it was up to me, if I was the manager of that club, some may say, bring it on. Many will say, you're having a laugh, aren't you? Uh, but if I was, uh, the first thing I would be doing with Maratta is getting him to see a bloody sports psychologist or a psychologist or anybody, you know, bloody quickly, get inside his head and get it right. Because if they don't fix that, as I said, it's not going to make any difference how bloody talented he is. Because there's something not right for me, mentality-wise. There, um, Alex, I know you're you're uh, you've got thoughts on this, haven't you? I have. Firstly, I'm more relaxed than Marco is. Like lack of plan B and that. Don't forget what we were expecting before the season started with a brand new manager who perhaps didn't have all the players he'd want, and that he spoilt us with the results we've had so far. Um, with Morata. I think yesterday, he he just doesn't do adversity. How much of adversity do you face in La Liga or in Serie A when you play for Juventus? You don't, do you, really? No. Yeah, so he comes over here. He's got all these big, lumpy, meathead defenders that play for shit teams like Everton. And they, they, they crush you. They foul you. They push you. They pull you. They sit on you. And they just stop you playing football. And he sucks at dealing with it and that's what happened yesterday so, so I was really low down to the pitch yesterday so it was a really different view for me um, from the shed upper and one thing I noticed about him was that he didn't go his way for the first 40 minutes and then he started to have a shit fit about it and that's when his day began falling apart he walked off at half time I think he had a chance or a half chance just before the end of the first half and he walked off at half time down the tunnel shouting at himself and having a row with himself because it hadn't gone his way swearing I could hear Puta this and all that stuff going down the tunnel and um he comes back out and it's he just can't deal with it can he he's just it just got worse and worse that's when he started being offside all the time because he wasn't concentrating anymore that's and he's lucky he didn't go for descent he, go, he goes I don't to pieces know, Alex well I don't know saying. if you saw but after he got booked for descent friend not my friend wouldn't talk to him so he came over and started screaming at Mariner and I'm talking screaming at him on the touchline and Mariner was talking to somebody else about so he had one of the managers I think oh, it might even have been Zola chatting to him and Mariner just said I'm not fucking I'm talking to him fuck off or whatever it was he said um, but he was he was raging at him and then Mariner didn't want to hear it so he's just raging at himself and it just it was a, a couple of players the other players looked at him to say oh mate just shut up but, but this is what I mean Alex <laughs> when I say that there's you know we've got a we've got a psychological issue here oh, definitely. He clearly is yeah. carrying an, a massive sense of injustice and and that needs to be dealt with you know because if you're a top top I mean Didier Drogba 
you know, I mean, okay, we know he started off a bit iffy for us, but, you know, what he would do, or what Diego Costa would do, or what a really top striker would do, a real winner, they would, they would, you know, let, let, let it go against them for most of the match. They would let the defenders kick them up in the air because they would just bide their time because they know if they score a goal and it's the winner, they get the last laugh. You know, I mean, and that's that's what it's about. I'm yeah. just gonna just gonna bring John, Jonathan in a second. Jonathan, we were on last Friday. You know, we were talking uh, kind of war, quite in a, in a warm way about Callum Wilson, and we were saying, you know, what what I liked about this guy is that you know, complete antidote in a sense to to somebody like Morata, because this is a guy who came up from non-league, so he's clearly had to battle his way to the top. He's, been had, he's had three massive, almost career-ending injuries. Yeah. He's hungry. He's a fighter. And his mentality is bang on. And I would, I would have, you know, one of him for ten of Alvaro Morata's mate. Do you think it's time we need to think about that? No, indeed, we've been linked with him. When, when you know, being linked is just rubbish, really, isn't it? But he's yeah. definitely a, a Sarri type of player, as we've said, because of his speed and the fact he keeps scoring. But as you, and also, as you say, it's his mobility. Um, whereas Morata, Morata is definitely affected by he has a it, what you said about a, a sense of injustice. <clears throat> because the, he got booked because he was trying to appeal to friend to say, look, I'm being constantly fouled and you're not doing anything about it, which, of course, is the worst thing because friend just will look, looks you up and down, you know, think, thinks you can see him thinking, well, you're, <coughs> you know, you're, you're a bit poncy, aren't you? You can see that's the way, <laughs> that's the way friend is. He looks, and there was a terrible moment towards the end of the game. <laughs> where the poor boy looked as if he was wearing pyjamas rather than wearing a Chelsea outfit that were too big for him. Sorry, I'm going to cough. <coughs> they were actually too Yeah. Uh... <coughs> Talk to someone else. I'm going to have to get some water. All right, you do that. Um, we, might come, we might come back to that. Uh, but, you know, I hope, I, I, I... consumption. Yeah, I think he's doing his Bob Fleming impersonation. I hope he's all right. I mean, bloody hell. Um, let's just move this on a second, um, because I want to talk about uh, a completely different topic. Uh, weirdly, actually, I mean, I, I thought of this when I was writing the script, and then I went on Twitter and found out that the wonderful Dean Mears has come up with exactly the same point. But it is very much around, uh, apparently, Louise uh, being frustrated. Um, I'm not quite sure. There was some incident. I think it was uh, when, when one of the players was rolling around, and I think he felt that... Um, you know the crowd were getting on our case on Chelsea's case because they were moving the ball too slowly, and he quite angrily apparently gesticulated to the the Matthew Harding lower to get behind the team and get it going. Anyway, that aside, what what it the, the question it begged for me was an age old one, really, isn't it, Marco? You know, should uh, should the supporters be the ones that lift the team by getting behind them, or should the team uh, be playing well and uh, get you know getting the team uh, the supporters behind them? I mean, it's chicken and egg, isn't it? Really, I mean. I, I obviously think it's the supporters' job to lift the team, not the other way around. But, uh, you know, the world is changing, isn't it? Well, it is. I, I think yesterday was one of those games where it was kind of stupefying moments of silence. Um, I think just people were kind of baffled with what was going on on the pitch. And then, you know, there's, there's sort of people that get into it again, or the scousers are... Not or whatever, um, but you know, nil-nil draws and are, are never uh, going to be the best games for for atmosphere. Um, and anyway, you know, you, you know, you need typically you need something to happen. Um, but 
I think it's just a symptom of modern, you know, the whole thing's a symptom of modern football. I mean, we've seen that, you know, we've seen that from Louise before, haven't we, where he just sort of raises his arms and um, tries to rouse, rouse the crowd. Uh, and it's not just Stamford Bridge. I, I just think it's, uh, it's the way of the world, modern football. Um, it's very much here we are now entertainers, isn't it? Well, well exactly, yeah, you know... <laughs> We, <laughs> it's quite funny when we were on the stall and there were about 300 um, and, I, and I mean we, it literally it was a plane load of uh, presumably Japanese tourists although somebody remarked it must be Everton's firm because they, they were they, because of the Chang connection but it was like you know where did they get their tickets from and you know well, <laughs> they're not really going to get behind the, 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 the team but you know that's the way it is um, God help us if we ever get a 60,000 seater stadium it'll be even worse you know I mean the palace lot the other week last Sunday you know is, is this a library uh, you know get all of that so it's it's just the way it is I don't think it's going to change I you know should the players you know if the players do a better job of course the crowd will get behind them um, and it is well, it's more it's more egg than chicken I think these days in that yeah. effect you know I, I mean I remember going it, it was different it was definitely different there was there, there was definitely you know more more um, constant support for the team and for players even just people shouting support, you know, individuals standing up and um, shouting, shouting support at a player. Um, I just think none of that cuts through these days. Mm. No, it has changed. And I, I fear, I fear it. As I said, it's very much here we are now, entertain us, and I think it has changed. Um, Jonathan, are you still alive? Hello. You all right? Yes, thank you. How's the consumption? I've aged horribly. You have, have you? Sound it. You sound it. Do you have anything to add to that? I'm. I mean, I know it's slightly different, you know, where you sit because, you know, in a sense, and I, and I don't, I don't mean this in a rude way because I, I, I've met a lot of the people up there and they're lovely and they're all died in the wall Chelsea supporters, absolutely no shadow of a doubt. But I think it, it is very much part of, you know, they go for the entertainment there in but a also, sense, don't they? Because it's a day old, out, isn't it? They're all quite old, Chidge. Yeah, well, true. So. The whole process of leaping up and down and getting singing every song isn't isn't what they're yeah. there for. They're just yeah. to observe, and most of them have been watching been watching the blues for for fifty years. Yeah. So uh, you know they're quite happy in their dotage to sit down, and let other people do the singing. I um, do I'm, remember someone you uh, the one of the guys you sit with saying when I was there with you that um, you know he he pays his money and he's been going fifty odd years, and if he doesn't want to bloody jump up and down, he's not going to. Yeah. Exactly. He's got a bad knee anyway. Mm. But, but this is a very interesting point you've kind of stumbled across here because, you know, we're all, I mean, Alex is still in, in the flush of youth, bless her lovely heart. But, you know, me, me, Marco and Jonathan are on the wrong side of 50. Uh, some of us are a little bit older than that. And I, I, as are most of Chelsea's home season ticket crowd. And I, I wonder if there is a sense for, for some of them, at least, not all, 
of, well, you know, I've been going for bloody 40-odd years or more. You know, I've done my bit. I'm, I'm old now, and I'm going to sit down, and I'm, and I'm just going to swear at the odd player, and I'm, I'm not going to be singing, you know, uh, whatever song all through the 90 minutes. And, in a, and I think my main point is, of course, this is why it's so important that, that the club do something, although what they can do, I do not know, to try and get a younger demographic into that stadium because, you know, we all started going at that age when we were leaping up and absolutely. down and we were able to and making we a were noise. Absolutely, Chidge. We were absolutely able to leap up and down and we could and did because we were we were live young things and that's what you did when you watched the team. You know, you you, you joined in and you, you you were athletic enough to do it. The trouble is is that I'm not seeing that same... That same uh, crowd of people on the uh, on what you well, they can't doing. afford it jk no absolutely i i understand they and never do own a property yeah, that can't those, afford to live also i actually think that the that contributes to the lack of individual songs for the players as well well i think, mm. I think just just on that it's, in, it's a good point alex makes and it's interesting actually when, when we play let's say Bournemouth in, in the League Cup or, you know, the FA Cup games, uh, which um, there's, there's definitely a, def, a different demographic at those games. Um, there's a younger crowd there, but there's also, you know, the, the, the crowd that will uh, come along and sing the Steve Gerrard song every five minutes and stuff like that. So, you know, I, I think there's more atmosphere at those games. Um for two reasons. One, it's people who don't get to go so often, so they make the most of it, irrespective of what they choose to sing. And also, a lot of them bring their kids with them, and, and they join in too. Um, you know, for me, and, and also the other thing is with those cup games, the the, the away team typically gets a, a, a bigger allocation. So, you know, I thought I thought the atmosphere at the derby. Derby game was probably the best there's been at a game this season. I mean, admittedly, you know, you can't fault the entertainment at 3-2. So people are going to be buzzing throughout the game. But, you know, that that was that was as near as you'll get, you know, from a from a supporter perspective to A, being entertained, but B, you know, people sort of getting into it, the spirit of um, getting behind your team. Um, so, yeah. That, that's kind yeah. of the way I see it. Uh, that's, a, that's a good point, Marco. Actually, I mean, I, you know, I think you still get a decent atmosphere. You know, I thought Man United was all right, and I thought Liverpool was all right. So I think you know, when you've got a big game, everybody everybody turns up for that. If you see what I mean, but I, I think you're right. I think I think the cup matches have been a real eye opener this season because the club, again, to their eternal credit, actually, and you know, I was whinging about. You know what can they do about getting the youngsters back in? But I think when you're charging twenty quid a ticket, that's one yeah. very good way of doing it. I'm so fair you. play to them. Chinch, can I just say I also think the expectations of people at the uh, yeah were that they thought we were going to wallop Everton, and uh, and therefore there's a kind of disappointment that is tangible. Um, and I still felt that we did we did get behind the crowd of the team. The crowd got behind the team much more in the second half because I still think I think we're. We're, we're being very dismal about the, the, the team's performance. But in the second half, we were all over mm. them. And they, kind of, kind we, of, we just, for every reason, we didn't put the ball in the net for all the reasons yeah. we've been saying. 
Well, that, that exemplifies the point, doesn't it? Which is that, in the sense, the team lifted the supporters rather than the supporters yeah. lifting the team. Yeah, yeah true. Which is yeah. interesting. I, look, just talk, picking up on the point that you just made about expectations, actually, JK, that's a beautiful uh, segue for which I applaud you wholeheartedly. You're clearly back with us and very much alive, having had a Bob Fleming-esque uh, coughing <laughs> a fit. Seizure, a seizure. Disturbing yeah. proportions. Disturbing proportions, they were. <laughs> but I, one of the, the kind of thing to wrap all this up, I was thinking about... You know, there, I think I think in a sense, you know, and I was guilty of this, you know, you can't help it when you're passionate about your club. But I was waffling on about, oh, you know, we could challenge for the title this year. Oh, you know, rubbish, you know. And I think I think a few games recently have kind of made us realise that. And I think also when you saw the way that City completely destroyed United yesterday, I mean, 45 passes and then it leads to a goal. They made them look like schoolboys. But they are a long, long way ahead at the moment. But I'll tell you what I read that was fascinating uh, somewhere today um, and that's the fact that when when Guardiola came into City okay we know he's had a limitless checkbook but when he came into City and tried to impose his way of playing on that side it, it took him a while to do it they were they finished fourth in the first season he was the manager I think and it's taken him a while to develop that side into his way of playing and we're three months into Sarri's reign so you know Whilst, yes, maybe we need to have a reality check this season, um, it's early, early, early days. And, you know, I think Alex earlier on was making the argument that he hasn't quite got the players he wants, probably. There may be square pegs and round holes and so on. Now, given all of that, in other words, with a bit of cold logic and, and, and you know, twenty twenty hindsight, um, there's still an issue because you're right. I think we turned up yesterday and, and, I mean, we were all saying on Friday that we thought we'd win quite happily, didn't we, Jonathan? And yeah. Yeah, you know, so... There are massive expectations, which I don't think have been helped, actually, by the, the tremendous start that we've made. So my question really is, um, I'm going to ask this of Alex first, um, how how will Sarri manage expectations? In other words, you know, how will he manage our expectations that we want to win the title when we're probably not? And, we're you know, and finishing top four, even four, might be OK this season. Well, we don't really matter, do we? And I think the club will be more than happy to get back in the Champions League. I think that's all he's got to do this season, in his first season, is get us back in. Get us back into playing proper European football instead of going to Belarus in the fog. Although everyone seems to have had an amazing time. Um, I, I really do think, I, I would be happy with that. If we did nothing else this season, um, but got back in the Champions League and did it comfortably without clinging on till the end and counting the points down, I'd be more than happy. Just a drama-free run to get back into the competition. Yeah, good good point. Marco, how do you think he's going to be... I mean, will he be able to manage those expectations? <coughs> I think just purely by um, the help being provided by the fact that, you know, United aren't very good and Tottenham are Tottenham. And, you know, Arsenal seem to have wobbled as well, um, despite all the uh, brouhaha about Emery ball, uh, as it was referred to. Uh, when they were playing the likes of Cardiff and the bottom exactly. three every week, yeah. You know, you know when they wobble at the end of the season, as they always do, you know, it'll be, it'll be termed Emery cloth. Oh, God, yeah. As in touching cloth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're such a wrong You know, <laughs> I think Alex is right, um, you know, in ter terms of that expectation. I mean, personally, I'd, I'd, I'd love, well, it'd be great for Sarri because he never won anything. So I'd, I'd, be, I'd be ecstatic if we won. I'd actually be more happy if we won a trophy. I 
the FA Cup or the League Cup or indeed, well, obviously the Europa League would get us back in the Champions League. So um, that would be my preference um, over kind of like a trophyless season and getting back into the Champions League because I've kind of, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know whether... I don't know whether it's because we're not in it or, um, I don't know, just kind of watching it, the games on TV. Um, it's just, do you know what? So what? Um, <laughs> I, I've started what I think it might have been Dean Mears who pointed this programme out to me. I didn't know it existed. Um, there's, there's a programme that BT do, which is hosted by James Richardson, the guy who used to do football Italia years ago and, and it's kind of like they, they've got cameras at each Champions League game and they just go from game to game and show all the goals and it's kind of like you just sit there and watch it and it's, it's like yeah that, that's good yeah and it, and it kind of takes the, the, the boredom out of sort of choosing one game to watch and thinking could have done something better than that because it's just not that good um, and I just think you know that competition really doesn't really get going does it until the next phase um and then it's kind of does it get going after that i, I don't know i've kind of i don't know i don't know what it is but that's the but marco that's a brilliant point because you know that's that's the trouble with both the europa league and the champions league which have both been designed to make clubs as much money as they can by giving everybody a game when actually for the competition's sake and what we grew up with was a Cup Winners' Cup, a, U, a, a UEFA Cup, and a, a, a European Cup, which was all knockout football. And you could get anybody in oh, any yeah. round. You know, you could have had, for example, you could have had Liverpool playing Real Madrid in the first round. You so know, either the holders or the, or the runners-up were going to get knocked out. And it was all the better for it. Let's go for what, let's, let's, I, you know, I wouldn't say technically not the, certainly not the best game I watched um, over the last few days, but I, I watched the Haringey Borough Wimbledon game on on Friday night. Um, it, we, we were forced to watch that in the studio at Love Sport on Friday. Annoyingly, absolutely peeing down with rain. Mm. You know, the the the, the Haringey Borough centre half had eaten all the pies. <laughs> they, they were just lashing the ball at each other. This. It was brilliant. And I just, <laughs> what a great game of football. That is football. That is cup football. You know, and it kind of went right down to the last minute and then Wimbledon, you know, broke the um, the hearts of the non-league team uh, and scored the winner. And I thought, you know what, that, 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 that's football and that's entertainment. And, I, you know, it's... It just it's a symptom of the modern game. It's the same as we were talking about the crowd before. And that's not me being an old duffer. It's just me thinking, you know, if I'm going to commit time to something, I want to be entertained. Um, and I, I, I don't know. I just think, I think the Champions League, you know, people aren't going to sort of, you know, if City are set for a, a period of dominance, and they, you know, they could win the league you know, back to back three or four times. Who knows? You just don't know. Hi, Misty. Say hello to everyone. Hello. <laughs> hello, Misty. Hello, hello Misty. Um. I love that you've got that disillusioned. You went brummy a minute ago. 
Yeah, Misty's Misty's actually going to come to um, her first game, I think, in January, aren't you? Yeah. FA Cup for your birthday. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, Jonathan. Um, yeah. What was I going to say? Yeah, I mean, if you've got anything to add on that, I mean, you know, does is Sari going to have a job trying to manage expectations? Because I kind of noticed in recent press conferences that, you know, he's tried to play down things a little bit. You know, he's kind of got his sensible head on. But do you think he's going to have a bit of trouble doing that? Uh, I think he's going to have to put some of the reserves into the Premier League because of the huge numbers of fixtures coming up. Mm. Um, and I think that's when we'll see whether they're capable of, uh, of sustaining it as well. Um, but I think the major things are the, is, is the role of Kante, who is, as we've all established, is a quarter of the player, and um, whether he should just give up with Morata and play Giroud until the transfer window if they can get somebody who is appropriate for him. Um, mm. But um, uh, no, I think he's done wonderfully and I think he's the man for the future. And, uh, and as you say, um, Guardiola took several seasons to get it right. And I think the board will back Sarri because he's a breath of fresh air in comparison with the, uh, the previous manager. Well, and, a, and, and a mature man, a very mature man in comparison. Mm. He's a grown-up. Yeah, he's absolutely right. Absolutely right. And um, yeah. and I think we're in a very good position. So I don't think we need to be downhearted. I think the dilemma is, and I honestly think that was a one-off at the weekend. I really, it, because the it was like the a perfect storm. You've got the idiocy of friend not realising that everybody's being kicked up in the air and you've got decent aspect of tactics going on. But as I say, in the, in the second half, we, uh, we should, have, should have scored four and um, that seems to have been forgotten by everybody very keen in the media to say, look, Everton, are they? look what they did to Chelsea. Chelsea aren't very good. In actual fact, I still think we're a, we're a terrific side and I think he's a, a wonderful manager and we will reap the benefit of it. But, you know, wow. perhaps this season, but once again, it is early days. Let's see. Yeah, well, I think the other thing about I think you quite rightly made that point. Uh, he is a breath of fresh air, and he's, you know, he's created a very happy environment, and and you know that that I think is much needed after the two meltdowns we've had recently. But I also think that, uh, you know, like like you, I agree. I think that it's not as bad as 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 we. I mean, you know, we're passionate. We love the game. We want to win everything, and it, you know, we get down very easily as much as we get too up occasionally. But I don't think there's anybody that I know who sports Chelsea who really felt that we were going to be doing as well as we have done since the start of the season. So I think all of us would have taken where we are right now at the beginning of the season, because I think we all felt it was going to take him a long time to impose this style on there and get us playing well. And I think he's exceeded those expectations. So I hope that therefore he gets, you know, some time and a bit of a pass for a while, because I think there are going to be as many downs as there are ups while he tries to to you know, get us playing the way once, but there you go. Right, uh, enough, uh, enough uh, on that little bit. Uh, in part three, we've got a couple of emails for Jonathan to read out and for us to answer. If, of course, his voice can can cope. Chidge, J.K. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chidge, I'd be bereft. Inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boy's life. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? 
Yep, NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow, great. Uh, But yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK. And best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy. I could cry. (laughs) Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com Right, welcome back. We're uh, all refreshed. Jonathan has uh, got rid of his coughing fit. And uh, I'm Stanford Chidge, of course, and I'm joined by the aforementioned Mr. Kidd and the lovely Alexandra Churchill and the equally lovely Mr. Mark Worrell. So, buonasera. Now, uh, as, as, as those of you who know, in fact, there are people who are yet to be discovered in the Amazon rainforest who still look forward to... Jonathan reading out your emails on the Chelsea Fancast every week. And uh, we've got a couple of belters this week, Jonathan. Indeed, we have Chidge, your Chidgeness, Lord Chidgeness, Chidgey. Um, Nate Piacentino, greetings and salutations from Canada. I was watching a bit of the Man City game yesterday before flipping over to the Chelsea game. I hate that team so much, but I gotta say, going straight from watching City to watching the first. 30 minutes of Chelsea versus Crystal Palace was kind of depressing. It was pretty dull. I was tired before the game started, and until Morata scored, I was literally falling asleep. Great goal, by the way. Woke me right up. Then the anger I felt when Williams' goal was wrongfully disallowed really woke me up. The game livened up eventually, but it seems hard to ignore the fact we're still miles away from where City are, which is to be expected. It's early days for this system, after all. And even City took time to adapt to Pep's style in his first year. Still, City's movement off the ball is far superior to ours. They don't have anywhere near as many sloppy turnovers as us. And the way they swarm the opponent's box with pace and numbers really is next-level stuff. Here, here. Sarri wants to play a quick pass and move system too. But right now, we're still just all pass and not enough move. We seem like an imitation brand, especially without Hazard in the side. When he and Kovacic came on yesterday... We look like a totally different team. Yes, I know we fought, scored four goals against Burnley without Eden, but Burnley were terrible that day. And yes, we've played some absolutely fantastic football at times this season. It's been great to watch. But we've also looked 
like we were never going to score at times too. The lack of movement and penetration makes all that possession pointless. Meanwhile, City playing without arguably their best player, De Bruyne, still looked like they could score double digits if they really wanted to. They are scary good, and we're frighteningly worse off without Hazard in the eleven. Obviously, he's so important to any success we hope to have this season. Having said that, despite some glaring weaknesses on the defensive side and clearly being a work in progress offensively, we're still undefeated and have the ability to beat anyone on our day, especially if Morata gets hot. I'm loving our team right now. I'm just trying to lower my expectations. We've been terrific so far, and we definitely aren't 30 points worse than City anymore. The gap is closing. But I'm worried that we really aren't as close to them as the table would have us believe either. Nevertheless, as long as we have Hazard, we have a chance. So let's enjoy this title race while it lasts. Anything can happen, and we should continue to improve as the season goes on. I'm confident we'll win some silverware this year, and I'm very excited to see just how good we can become in the future. Up the Chelsea. Cheers, Nate. Well, there we go. What a prescient email, Jonathan. Yes, yes. Very well said, Chid. Lovely word. Because yeah, he wrote that last week, you see, because he kind of missed the cut by a smidgen yes, and he uh, was, last week. And yet the points yeah. are very valid this week, aren't they? Very, very valid. Absolutely. Um, but, uh, um, yeah, I think I think Chelsea will get there. I, I do. But his thing about, I think Morata isn't going to get hot, I'm afraid. And um, I don't think Hazard is quite fit enough at the moment. That's my view. Mm-hmm. Um, but let us see. Let us see what will happen. Uh, you know what? They should yeah. they should send Morata my way for a few sessions. I'd sort him out. Yes, yes, you'd be good, wouldn't you, Chid? Mm. Well, you should write them a note. You could then be uh, um, uh, analyst uh, to the stars, couldn't you? Yeah, I mean, you might want to reiterate for listeners who don't know you what it is you do for a living, because otherwise that sounds pretty dodgy. About having him in for a few sessions and you'll sort him right out. Yes, <laughs> I was. I was kind of thinking that you could hear that. You could hear the cogs probably whirring in my head, couldn't you? Yeah. In that long pause. Yes. Uh, I'm. I'm. Uh, I'm. Yes. I'm. I'm a counsellor in my kind of day job down here, so uh, or a psychotherapist, call it what you will. But I mean, I uh, to be honest, J.K., I would be amazed if the club these days don't have a whole coterie of, you know, sports psychologists, psychotherapists, you name it, on, on board or with access to. And if they don't, I think they'd be very foolhardy because, you know, the, the the mental pressures of playing, you know, at the elite end of sport are huge. Well, Torres had one when he was at Chelsea. He was seeing someone. Yeah. I don't know yeah. if they worked for Chelsea or if they were bought in, but he he was definitely, they were trying to fix him. Well, I would imagine that there is, I, I don't know at all, but I would imagine that Chelsea have a sports psychologist in their mm. ranks. Musty. Um, yeah, you, but would, I, you would I, hope you, so, wouldn't you? you would yeah, exactly. So. It's very much part of modern sport now, isn't it? Um, but um, I, I'm sure they have access, uh, you know, to that as well. I mean, funnily enough, I spoke Tim to somebody. Harkness. Sorry, mate. Tim Harkness. Tim Harkness. Yeah, head of sports science and psychology. Bloody hell, mate! You're, You're on the fire Google tonight. King. You are the Google King. Yeah, on LinkedIn, mate. He's on LinkedIn. Really, bloody hell! Um, funny he's enough, of, I spoke. Is he one of I, your pals? Sorry to talk over you, Chidge. Is, right. is he one of your pals, Marco, or is he just there on LinkedIn? Oh, he's just there on LinkedIn. Oh, I see. Okay, uh, been yeah. there for nine years, so uh, 
It's, it's he's not, not, he's not, not doing very well at the moment, is he? <laughs> so he, <laughs> he would have worked with Torres. He yeah. Who else would he have worked with? Uh, well, who, who knows? Probably a lot of them. But I mean, I, I spoke to somebody a few years ago, actually. Um, I think it must have been uh, Neil Niall Quinn's got a an organisation that helps. I think current and 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 former footballers. And I was talking to them about doing some work with them. Didn't go anywhere, sadly. But uh, I, I just kind of wondered whether I might be conflicted out because I'm too close to Chelsea that I wouldn't be able to do it. Anyway, whatever. We're talking massive hypothetical stuff here. Either way, bloody good email, Nate, and lovely to hear from you as always. Yeah, brilliant. Brilliant stuff. Yeah. Um, this is email two. from Doug, uh, how do we pronounce this, Chip? Pogutnik. Well, Pogutnik. Pogutnik. Schnick, chick, schnick, schnick, I would have thought. Schnick. Pogerschnick. 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 Yeah, Doug Pogerschnick. Um, a heartfelt hello to Chidge, JK, and the rest. Hello, Doug. My hello, name is Doug. My name is Doug, and I live in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh? What am I talking about? Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Regrettably, I've only come across your brilliant podcast this year, but it's quickly become my favourite. Thank you. My Chelsea fan would began fortuitously at the outset of the 2009-2010 double winning campaign. Being a football fan in America was quite different back then. I spent my childhood in Ohio, a place known far more for its rabid passion for American football than soccer, as we say in the States. I'm not sure how long it was before I ever saw a televised game, but every match day I could be found frantically searching the Internet for a stream. I've watched Chelsea in what seems to be every language imaginable, Russian, Arabic, French, German, and occasionally the ultimate luxury in English. The streams were incredibly unreliable, and I would often end up watching a frozen image with only the audio to guide my perception of what was occurring in the match. Nowadays, most matches are reliably on TV or an official internet stream. This is much less nerve-wracking than trying to refresh a lagging feed Writers Denver Bar scores an 89th minute winner in the Champions League quarterfinals a few years back, for instance. The first time I saw our boys in blue in person was in a 2012 summertime friendly in New York against PSG at the New Yankee Stadium. It was the same week that PSG bought Ib Ib Ibrahimovic and Thiago Motta, neither of whom unfortunately featured. Earlier that day, a young boy approached me on the street and humorously asked if I was Frank Lampard as I was donning my Lampard replica jersey. A year and a half later, I had the great fortune of embarking on a set semester abroad while enrolled at the University of Pittsburgh. Many of my friends spent that fall basking in the fairer climes of Barcelona, Florence and the like. But there was only one city I ever considered, <coughs> London. This was my chance to spend 17 weeks only a quick jaunt down the district line from the vaunted Stamford Bridge. That semester, I attended six matches, all three home Champions League games against FC Basel, Schalke and Steyr Bucharest, and three Premier League matches against Southampton, Cardiff City and Fulham. The first match I ever attended at the bridge was our Champions League group stage opener against FC Basel. We eventually lost 2-1 after going up 1-0 via an Oscar goal. But the man who levelled the score at one for Basel was none other than Mohamed Salah. Another highlight of my match-going experiences was seeing Samuel Eto'o sneak up from behind the Cardiff keeper to steal the ball as he was bouncing it up and down, <laughs> leading to an Eden Hazard goal. One of the moments that gave me perhaps the most sheer joy was seeing John Obi Mikel score his first ever Premier League goal against Fulham. 
and subsequently being serenaded by he scores when he wants, scores when he wants, John Obi Miko, he scores when he wants. But enough about my Chelsea memories. I'd like to posit a non-Chelsea specific question to the group. How do you approach watching the other English Premier League teams when they're playing in the Champions League? I find myself in a bind when doing so. As much as seeing Liverpool lose to Red Star Belgrade and Spurs looking utterly anemic in their group warms my heart, I also realise that the more competitions our fellow top sixes are in, the better chance we have of winning the league or contending for top four spots. It's so difficult to actively root for the rest of the English team to progress far in the Champions League, much as it helps Chelsea's league chances. This situation is ever-present, but especially important this year, as the Premier League is the highest possible honour the Blues can win this season. How do you all deal with this catch-22? Keep up the wonderful work. Thanks for all you do in keeping Chelsea fans worldwide informed. Best, Doug. And he's put a few of his shots in from the bridge, which is a very good one of Frank there. Um, uh, I, love, I yearn for the days when Chelsea can have such a clear-cut captain as JT. Yeah, don't we all? And uh, and there's a picture of you there, fantastic with your scarf. Um, and he's got um, De Bruyne, a picture of De Bruyne. Boo, boo. You sure Impar- that's not the ball, boy? <laughs> he looks as if he's a bit fat there he's got a tummy on him perhaps that's one of the reasons he didn't get in the side very often and there's Mourinho in the background oh those days eh? yes good good mail good mail my personally personally it's interesting personally um, uh, I like seeing Spurs come a cropper uh, just because you know it's, it's Spurs um, I enjoyed seeing Liverpool fall apart because they've been so given this. The, the media have gone for them saying they're the you know, greatest team since sliced bread. Um, uh, I watched the whole of the Man United game and um, I was watching just to, to see Juventus play, actually. And, um, uh, and Juventus are great, but um, United did very well. I didn't feel any kind of hatred for them for winning. I just thought, oh, that's really good. That's a, you know, Mourinho got it right towards the end. But in a sense, because City are so good... I'm happy for them to win it. Uh, you know, I don't have any problem with City. I just go, yeah, they're playing wonderfully. So good luck to them. And at least then we have a representative in the Champions League proving how good we are. But um, at the moment, Spurs and Liverpool, I want them to. The dilemma is, of course, if Spurs and Liverpool um, don't qualify, they'll be playing us in the uh, in the Europa League because that's that's inevitable, isn't it? As with Arsenal, we'll be, we'll be playing one of them very early on. And if we beat them, we'll be playing the other one because I think they'll all end up in the Europa League. So that's my view. Marco? Yes. What are your views on, uh, you know, other English teams in the Premier, in the, in the Champions League? Well, I don't know. I, I, as, I, as I said earlier, I've discovered this new programme that, that, that means I don't have to. It, it removes the, um, the, any interest in, in watching any of these um, early stage group games uh, that are, don't involve Chelsea in, in fullness. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know. As I, as I said earlier, I, I just think that uh, that competition's lost a bit of its luster for me. And, you know, I, I would just rather we focused on winning some bread and butter competitions. And I'm sure, um, you know, I'm sure Sarri would be brilliant for him to win his first um, trophy as a manager at Wembley in February uh, when we beat Spurs in the League Cup final. 
Which would that be? February or March, usually, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. I think that'd be good. Okay. Uh, Alex, what say you? You can have even more fun if you um, put bets on them to lose as well. Then it's doubly exciting and entertaining when they fuck mm. up. I don't care whether that... I, I'm, I don't think about it deeply enough to, to uh, consider the impact on our season. I just like seeing them get done. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm much the same, to be fair. I mean, it, to be really honest, though, I mean, it, it has changed. Because, I mean, I remember in the 70s, clearly I, I've, I've always hated the idea of Liverpool winning anything. Like, I was just going to say, I'm so the most enjoyable game of football, um, or one of the most enjoyable games of football, for me, that didn't involve Chelsea um, in, in the last year was was Real Madrid beating oh, Liverpool. Beautiful. That was uh, just beautiful. Everything, all all the horrible, horrible little things that went on in that game that were just so wonderful to watch. And then um, it carried on afterwards. It was exactly. like the gift that kept on giving, what with the bloody concussion thing yeah. and that he tried to kill Salah and the Egyptian government were going to sue Ramos. Oh, it just got better and better, didn't it? Yeah. Anyway, back in the 70s, uh, before you were born, Alex, um, it was different, you know. I mean, as I said, obviously, I always ha- hated the idea of Liverpool winning anything, but, you know, I, was, I, I, was, I loved watching Forrest win the European Cup, you know, because yeah, basically we, we, we weren't in the competition. I mean... The, the mere thought of Chelsea being in the European Cup, as it was in those days, was was you know as far fetched as me donning the number nine shirt. I mean, you know, it was just never going to happen. So it was a very different time. And basically, I was very much you know uh, English team against Johnny Foreigner, English team apart from Liverpool every time. But of course, the last twenty years has been different because we're now in it a lot, and we've often had a chance of winning it. So I don't care who you are. If you're in the Champions League and we're going to come up against you, possibly, <laughs> then then you're a then you're a you know you're the enemy and you're going down. And the equivalence of that is that you know we we we, we sing all the time. We're the only team in London with a European Cup, you know. So I like that. I like that record. So the thought of Arsenal or Tottenham winning it is just beyond. You know, mm. I just can't even contemplate the horrible horribleness of that. The idea of Liverpool winning another bloody European Cup to make it six times also fills me with absolute dread. I think that I... shriek from Mark is uh, an email I just sent you all, which uh, okay, well, I, which I'm fills him with dread I'm too busy as well. Kind of talking and trying to do a program to read it, but I'll get it in a minute. <laughs> anyway, the other thing, uh, Man City. I mean, I, I understand where you're coming from, J.K., but again. You know them winning them winning an, a European Cup. I think takes some luster away from us. So I, like the small-minded, petty little prick that I am, won't, don't want anybody to have any success, and I want us to have it all. Agreed. Anyway, on, that ha- on that happy, very immature note, uh, it's time to move on. Uh, and in part four, coming up in a second, uh, we're going to be listen. Well, we're going to be hearing from both Marco and Alex about their respective days yesterday because Marco was. Very much to the fore uh, with CFC UK's 200th edition party and book fair at the Atlas Pub after the game. And Alex spent most of the day uh, with some very interesting and illustrious people commemorating Remembrance Day. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see you in a second. Real fans, real opinions. 
I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea! Footballfancast.com Right, welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast. We're on the home straight, and uh, it's time to kind of, you know, do the round the house with our usual shout-outs. But a couple of very significant things happened yesterday. Um... The first one, I mean, to say that I am beyond gutted. I was more gutted about missing the, you know, celebrations for uh, the uh, the fact that the wonderful DJ, Mr. At Only A Pound, uh, the fine shedditor of the uh, the wonderful CFC UK, uh, was celebrating the fact that they were publishing their 200th edition and they were having a party in the wonderful Atlas pub and then uh, they were going to have a book fair and all sorts of other fun things. I was beyond gutted not to be there. I mean, I've written for the bloody thing for, it's got to be 10 years now, and I love absolutely everybody involved, and I was going to miss everybody. So I was more gutted about missing that than I was about missing the match, which sounds, <laughs> you know, sacrilegious. But it's true. I was absolutely gutted. Uh, but thankfully, as uh, serendipity would have it, we've got the wonderful Marco, who it should be said is, is, is almost as instrumental in uh, getting... Uh, CFC UK to the stall and uh, to the readers as, as, as DJ himself. So uh, very, 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 very luckily we've got you on here, Marco, and you can tell me everything that I missed and make me even more cross and angry that I missed it. <laughs> no, it was good fun. It was kind of um, it was condensed into a couple of hours, which was quite good. And so um, basically the format was... Um, uh, Saunders, Levy, and um, Hayes. And Hayes did did their little podcast thing for half an hour. The Chels. Yeah, I mean, and to be fair, it, it was good. A because it was half an hour long, um, but you're trying to tell me something. No, no, not at all. No, I mean, if it had been three hours on a Sunday, um, you know, probably probably wouldn't have worked. But it, it was it was good, and you know, they kind of raised some interesting points so that was good and then Dave did um, the raffle the regenerate raffle and that was good as well because I won a signed Chelsea football um, and and the very lovely Carol Wood uh, read some of her poetry from her um, from her book of Chelsea poems uh, which was quite good I never thought she had it in her she's the John Cooper Clark of Chelsea Wow. Very good it was. No, no, it was great. Everybody just, it was all very relaxed. Um, it was good fun. So, How many people turned up? I'd say there was probably, oh, I don't know, it was, it was packed up there. So we had both. 100? Yeah, yeah, at least 100. Yeah. Good turnout, mate. Yeah, I mean, it was all, you know, basically it was the usual suspects um, that, that, that you, you'd kind of, you know, would imagine would have been there. So I yeah, was there for a bit. Fun and uh, I think we raised quite a bit of money for Regenerate UK. I don't know if you saw that tweet last week, which was pretty funny. Um, I just did a tweet saying promoting the, the, the oh the dental thing day and uh, put and we'll be raising money for Regenerate UK. And you know everybody retweeted it and liked it. Just shows how how much people often you know click on stuff because it, it, I think it was Andy Smith. Who, who works for Regenerate, who is Regenerate, um, who, who replied to me about two days later, uh, that's Regenerate UK 
the toothpaste company. <laughs> so I made, made a point of that, and uh, Walt Rotten replied, let's go fucking dental. Oh, great. Love it. So, that was awesome. so there we go. So I, I missed all the faces by the sounds of it, um, and, yeah, and a jolly good time. Yeah, no, it was, it was good fun. So, yeah, yeah um, it did exactly what it was meant to do. Uh, great stuff, and I think on that note, um, well, I, I, you know, I've said it on Twitter innumerable times, but uh, you know, I love him to pieces, um, and uh, the the job and the work that he does to, to put that fanzine together is is just brilliant. Absolutely, he deserves all the credit that, that he gets. And I thought Tim Rolls made a a very good point. I I retweeted uh, Tim's post on Facebook, but um, as a writer, you know, you couldn't wish for. For, for a better editor than, than Dave because you know he, he lets you write whatever you want there's no kind of towing of the party line you know you write what you want and he as publishes it as long as you it. don't and swear <laughs> as long as you don't swear and you do have to asterisk out things like spurs because that's swearing um, and occasionally he used to I mean there, there'd be some funny occasions I remember I wrote an article years ago Marco um, comparing uh, and Alex will like this this is a nice little segue to her stuff but I compared Chelsea uh, to the old Contemptibles, which were part of the British Expeditionary Force in World War One, and DJ questioned it because he'd never heard the term Contemptibles, and he was questioning my grammar and English. And also, I said, "Mate, go and look it up," you know. And he came back and said, "Yeah, mate, you were right." So you know, he, he can be a bit, you know, on the older grammar and the spelling, but for a lot of us, that's probably a good thing. But he's just a joy, you know. He lets you publish whatever you want, and and it does a great job doing that. And I think it's a great voice for. You know, standing up for the supporters and uh, you know, and and criticising the club when necessary, and of course it often is. So there you go. I'm um, Jonathan. You said you you toddled along, did you? I did, I did, and, and I was a bit poorly, so I left. But um, uh, yeah, it was uh, it, as you say, all the usual suspects, but um, uh, very well organised and um, uh, terrific, terrific turnout. Great stuff. Great stuff. Now on that point. Uh, of course, uh, the new edition is out because it would have been on sale on uh, on Sunday, it being the 200th edition. And uh, you can get it at the stall on a match day and you will get to meet the legend that is Mark Worrell if you do. He's often the guy that looks like he's about to go on a, on a, an Arctic exhibition, uh, exhibition <laughs> expedition because he's usually freezing his nads off. Um, if you don't get it from Marco opposite Fulham Broadway, uh, there are always sellers uh, dotted around Fulham Road on a match day home and at home and of course away you know dj often sells them on the trains and stuff They're, you know you can get it if you can't get it for real then you can actually get it digitally by subscribing online at cfc uk net and if you're in the usa you can get it uh i think you can get it either digitally or of course you can get a hard copy as well and you need to follow at cfc uk usa on twitter and uh, you can contact Dan Lundberg at dlundberg underscore. Now, um, talking of old contemptibles, I think I think one day, Alex, uh, who I have to say reduces the average age on the Chelsea fan cast by at least, you know, two decades. But uh, one day, I think we'll be known as the old contemptibles if we're still doing this, you know, past pension age. The old git pitch. The old yes, <laughs> that that as well, Jonathan. But. Um, you know, I've been dying to talk to you about what you were up to yesterday because I, I got these kind of weird tweets about you being in the press conference and then I read your fantastic blog. So please tell me everything that you were up to yesterday in, in relation to the Remembrance Day. Uh, so obviously in 2015, I published a book about Chelsea in the First World War um, and basically since then have been on and off badgering 
mainly poor Steve Atkins, um, who probably never wants to hear anything about World War One from me ever, ever again, um, to get these relatives down that we had found because we needed information and photos from them and things like that to write the book. So we had met these four or five amazing sets of people whose relatives were either in the army and we knew they were Chelsea fans when the war began. So they um, had been coming down to Stamford Bridge since 1905, some of them, or they had, when all the posters went up and the recruitment started in World War One, had enlisted at Stamford Bridge. And, uh, and I've been sort of bugging them to bring them down to the ground and show their appreciation. And, um, yeah, that was quite some time ago, but um, it definitely was worth the wait because yesterday we had four families come down to uh, Chelsea, and I've kind of I've put it on my blog up, and I've I've covered the day, and I I've said it was the best part of Chelsea's Remembrance Day activities, and it's the part that none of you saw in the slightest because Chelsea were adamant that they didn't want any. Um, sort of PR responsibilities um, on the, the people that came. They didn't want them to, to at all be um, under the impression that they had to earn sort of their day out. And uh, so they were brought along, they were given tickets, they all had fantastic seats. Um, Chelsea made it easy for me to uh, go and sit down with most of them in the East Lower. We weren't far behind the home dugout. Um, one uh, so. Some of them were Chelsea fans many years ago and, and haven't been for a long time. So John, who was the, the eldest gentleman that came, his grandfather was killed on the Battle of the Somme. And uh, he remembers being at Stamford Bridge in 1945. Uh, he remembers Tommy Lawton. He also remembers being told at school on the day that uh, Chelsea played Dynamo Moscow. It was like a Tuesday afternoon friendly. The, um, the boys were all... Sorry? It's the anniversary of that tomorrow, I think. Yeah, it's also the anniversary of his grandfather's death because he died on the Onk on the 13th of November. But John and his schoolmates were told, if you bunk school, you'll be in trouble because we'll know where you all are. Um, so they, uh, many of them are actually Chelsea fans going back as far as the 40s, um, the, the others sort of the 70s themselves, and they haven't been for a long time. And it was just fantastic to share the day with them. And they had wonderful seats. They were given hospitality. And then after the game, they went on the pitch to take some photos with each other. Uh, the last of the players leaving um, uh, came to say hello. They met David Luiz, Ross Barkley, uh, Rudiger, Kante, and uh, Zola as he came through as well. Um, and then they were taken up to the director's lounge and um, there was a champagne toast to their relatives and a, and a little speech from Steve Atkins. And uh, they were invited to, to hold all the trophies, which which are up there on match day. Um, obviously, at the moment, we have the actual FA Cup as the holders, but um, also our replicas of the uh, Champions League trophy and things like that. And I, I just there were lots of tears yesterday Um but there was also lots of um, lots of smiles as well at just what these men who were at Chelsea in 1914-15 and before might have thought to see their relatives being given VIP treatment all these many years later by this massive football club that's won everything um, on their behalf as well. So it was a lovely day for them. They had the time of their lives. Um, yeah, it was sad, but it was also... Um, exciting for them as well they all got to meet each other and sort of to introduce two guys whose grandfathers had gone into battle on the 14th of November 1916 together and one had been killed and one had been taken prisoner um was quite special as well so um 
I think for many of them it was a very special day. Um, I think they were thrilled by the time they left. And Chelsea did all that with no expectation of anyone finding out about it at all, um, just as an act of remembrance, which we do like to have a moan and a whinge. We're very good at it at Chelsea. So I think credit where credit is due, that was it was pretty special what Steve and everybody that he mobilised pulled off yesterday. But not that, just everyone who walked past and asked who they were and what was going on wanted to stop and say hello and shake hands with them, sort of security, stewards, people that work at the club, they're Chelsea fans as well. So it was just lovely to see them um, a community thing like that happening. Mm. That's an absolute, that's a brilliant, brilliant story, Alex. And, and you should be very proud of yourself too for, yeah. uh, you know, organising, well, you know, badgering the club and making that happen. Actually, you should be very, very proud of yourself for that. There's lots of photos on the blog that I've just put up um, of the day and of the men that, that we were there to commemorate as well. And, um, and the, their stories are on there as well. So, yeah, but you're all going to mm. be getting those stories to death when we go to the battlefields next year but um yeah so if you want to know a little bit more about how they came to be there and and who they were then pop online we will have you, sh- have you shoved up on the chelsea fancast not yet, yet. i'll do it after we uh, i did it just before we went on air on mine right. so i'll do it when we're done no good stuff no that's brilliant well well done you and uh oh, it's a really touching story that and well that's just i'm almost rendered speechless which is a first uh, but sadly for you lot out there, not for long. Uh, right, um, just the usual shout-outs, really. Uh, this is actually big, big news, uh, because on the Love Sport radio show, or Chelsea Fancast on Love Sport radio show this Friday, uh, between 7 o'clock and 9pm as ever, uh, Jonathan and myself will be joined by Mr Neil Spy Barnett. Oh, yes, indeed. Um, because uh, I asked him nicely, but also because it's international weekend. So there's, you know, there are no real matches to talk about. And uh, I just thought it'd be fun uh, to talk to Spy, not least about uh, his, you know, huge uh, association with Chelsea. You know, he used to do, did he used to do club call, uh, Marco? I think he did, didn't he? Remember that? You'd phone up and you'd, you'd like Chelsea. get all the news on Chelsea, wouldn't you? Mummy went straight in. Uncle Ken's skyrocket. It did indeed. So he used to do that. He's written for loads of uh, the club's publications. What was that? Um, the, the kind of the newspaper like was it on side or something or off on the ball or something? It wasn't there before that. It was what? Bridge News. Bridge News. Yeah. And then what was the other one called? You remember that? Was it on, on side? It was on side. Was on side. Yeah. 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 So Neil's written for that. He's, he's been on Chelsea TV for years. He used to be on Chelsea TV. And, of course, most people will know him as the uh, on-pitch announcer. Uh, he of the two-goal Brana Ivanovic, etc., etc. And, of course, the other thing that Neil used to do, which was brilliant, was uh, he would always get a load of ex-players uh, around the, going around the pitch at half-time. So there's been some really special moments doing that. Uh, and of course, as we all know, uh, he was summarily not doing the on-pitch announcing at the beginning of the season, which caused a lot of people to be rather unctuous about it. And uh, anyway, so it's a good opportunity for you lot out there to, to phone in and ask Neil some questions about his involvement with Chelsea, pick his brains about what he thinks about the club and watching Chelsea since the 50s. He's been watching us a long time. So phone in, talk to Spy and join in the show and debate with us live. And the number, as ever, to call is... 0208 70 20 558 
And of course, you can listen live by dialing 558 on your AM wavelength, and uh, more likely, you can tune in to uh, the. It's on uh, dig- you know digital radio. As well as, of course, through things, the apps like Radio Player and TuneIn and, of course, lovesportradio.com. And uh, after that, of course, we'll shove it up there as a podcast, uh, as all of our shows are on Chelsea Fancast. And you can get it on chelseafancast.com, Acast, Apple, SoundCloud and Spotify now, very excitingly, as well as all the other podcast distributors. So there you go. So do phone in on Friday. Spy's great value. It'll probably, just also another incentive for you, I can guarantee you, that it will be a show for two hours where you will never have heard so little from Jonathan and myself. <laughs> you won't because be able to spy, get a word in yeah. edgeways, yeah. Spy likes to talk. That is for sure, anyway. Because, of course, Spy's been on the podcast several times and he's been, you know, we, he, he came on the TV show version of it we did once, which is why I know he likes to talk. Anyway, that's going to be a real humdinger, so check that one out. Uh, quick shout-outs for the usual other stuff. Patreon, of course, if you uh, if you like what we do and you want to support us by bunging us a few dollars every month, uh, then that's easy. I mean, it helps to cover the running, you know, the running cost of the show and, you know, hopefully makes it better or whatever. I don't know. Anyway, feel free to donate whatever you want per show. It's very easy. www.patreon.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. And it's also a very good way of getting in touch with me uh, because I've got an app, so you can send messages on there, you can send your emails there, or get questions into the podcast, or even to the Love Sport Radio Show, anything you like, or the Kerry Show. You want to ask questions of Kerry, st- stick them on Patreon. And of course, as you all know, uh, you lot have very much helped to fund the uh, the Kerry Dixon banner that proudly as- sits astride the Matthew Harding upper uh, kind of you know advertising boards in the left-hand corner looking towards the goal. I saw it many times watching it on the telly yesterday i was very excited so there you go and of course alex also has a patreon account don't you alex i do i got my first payment today that was rather surprising yeah excellent it's uh under girl who likes balls lovely so you know if you like alex's fantastic blogs which you know you'd be a nutter if you don't so if you want to support alex a little bit you can Follow her and subscribe to her on Patreon as well. Uh, Chelsea Supporters Trust, uh, as always, uh, all you have to do is pay five quid to be a member, um, a full member. That means you get voting rights and you can attend the, attend the meetings and you get a nice shiny badge as well. Uh, but other than that, it's absolutely free. You can join up for free. You don't have to pay us anything at all, but you won't be able to vote or go to the meetings. But uh, I, I encourage you to sign up to be a member. It's only five or a year. Uh, follow them on Twitter at Chelsea S Trust. And last but by no means least, the wonderful Chelsea pitch owners uh, who I think, I mean, talking about Ken Bates as Marco was earlier, I mean, if, if he did one good thing for the club apart from leave uh, by selling it to Roman, it was to set up the Chelsea pitch owners to mean that basically anybody who owns a share and it's major- the majority of the shareholders are, 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 you know, massive Chelsea supporters. And it guarantees that Chelsea will play at Stamford Bridge forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. Uh, and it's only about 30, 40 quid to buy a share. So it's a lot cheaper than it used to be. If you want to buy one, you can email them at info at chelseapitchowners.com or you can go to the website, Chelsea website, which is chelseafc.com forward slash fans forward slash Chelsea hyphen pitch hyphen owners. And they are on Twitter too at pitch owners. Right, there we go. Uh, that, I'm afraid, is about all we've got time for tonight. But, chitch, uh, chitch, um, chitch, chitch. Yes, what, what, what? Fans what? Forum on Wednesday. Oh, right. So yes. if anyone has got any uh, whinges, complaints, issues, um, they're, 
they have reminded us that it's not so much personal issues but issues that affect all fans so if you have anything that comes into that category please well, it's can... ticketing isn't it yeah on, uh... i think it is yeah when is it wednesday night this wednesday coming yeah i thought it was next week uh oh no steve said to me yesterday you know Wednesday. No, I'm sure you're right. I'm sure you're right. Yeah. Oh, and also the uh, fund is open for the uh, children's Christmas presents for the domestic mm. violence shelter. So um, I, I'm forever reminding people on Twitter and Facebook. So if you go on there, you'll be able to see more information. But if you'd like to donate some pennies to uh, help buy Christmas presents for children who are going to spend Christmas in a shelter, then it would be much appreciated. Lovely I, think, stuff. I well, think, and I might need your help. We're going to be given a signed shirt um, to auction. But we need to get it signed. That, yeah, I know. I think um, it's going to be Carabao that are going to help us with that. Someone at Carabao. So. Oh, wow, brilliant. Yeah. Okay, brilliant, Alex. Well done. Uh, okay, that genuinely is all we've got time for tonight. And uh, as I said, we will be back next Monday, controversially, because, of course, uh, you know, it's international break. But I feel the need to do a show, so we're going to. Uh, and I think we'll use it to do a half-time, half-time, half-term report even. Uh, good time to kind of assess where we are and where we're going and talk about all, all sorts of other things that take our fancy. And as ever, I will be joined by Jonathan Kidd whoops. and uh, whoop, yeah, and uh, Clayton Beerman and Dan Silver. And this is the really important thing. Because there's not much football to talk about, it affords me the opportunity to run in its entirety the 50-minute or so interview i recorded with neil smithy smith uh, last week when he was talking all about his fantastic book another gate 17 publication which is where were you when you when we were shocking uh and the thing about that i mean smithy is just one of you know the most delightful people you're ever likely to meet and you know his first game was uh excuse me in the 60s and he's seen over 2,000 matches. And anybody who listened to the Love Sports Show last Friday, we did a very short interview with him. We'll, we'll know what a lovely chap he is. Uh, and it's a brilliant book, absolutely hilarious, and, and has meanings way beyond the football that you see on the pitch. So, you know, when Neil and I sat down for a chat for 20 minutes, it ended up being an hour. So, and it was great. So I'm going to run it all because there'll be time to do it next week, whereas there wasn't this week, and I, and, and it deserves to be heard in its entirety. Uh, and added to that, uh, Neil has signed uh, one of the books, uh, one, you know, a copy of the book, uh, which we can give away uh, in a competition. So there'll be a chance to win a signed copy of Smithy's book. It's a cracking book. It really is. You would be mugs not to enter that competition. Uh, right, now, as I said, don't forget to tune into the Chelsea Fancast on Love Sport Radio this Friday, 7 o'clock to 9pm. Me, Jonathan, Neil Spy Barnett and uh, Mr. Jake Bubba Watson. Uh, phone in, ask Spy a question, join in the show, debate with us live. The number to call is 0208 uh, And a quick Twitter shout out for us lot. Uh, follow the show on Twitter at Chelsea Fancast. Me at Stanford Cheers. Jonathan at Jonathan Kidd. Alex at CFC GWLB and the legend that is Mark Worrell at Gate17Marco. And, of course, don't forget to check out our website, ChelseaFanCast.com. Huge thanks, as always, to Hion and the Chelsea Fancast bloggers for the content that they put up during the week. I love them profusely for that. Right, time for us lot to go home. Kind of almost an early night for us tonight. We've done very well. Uh, Marco, as always, an absolute privilege and a pleasure to have you on the show with us. Cheers, dude. Yeah, I hopefully I'll catch up with you soon, mate. Uh, Alex, as always, thank you very much. And as I said, you should really pat yourself on the back for what you did yesterday. That was massive. Thank you. Love you. 
Yeah, you too, mate. Jonathan, as always. Hushkoff. Thank you. Uh, it's, uh, I'll go and lie down for a bit, I think. You all right? You're not well, are you? No, I'm not well, but I'll manage. Thank you, everybody, for putting up with me. Um, well mm. done, chaps. Good programme. Good programme. Good show. Very good. Well mm. done. You're going to be all right? You're going to be fit for Friday? <coughs> I hope so. Yeah, I'll be fine. Yeah. Just be, just be me and Spy, if not. Yeah, no, I can't bear You that. still won't get a word in edgeways, Chidge. Well, that's okay. Well, actually, you, you, if you come on Friday, you'll save your voice. You'll be all right, J.K. All right, I just ask questions, that's all. In fact, I, I'll yeah. give you questions you can ask for me. Yeah, you can write them down and ask yeah. them. But uh, Bubba's got no idea what he's faced with next Friday. Oh, he I, I better brief him. He, he won't know what, how, how to cope, but I'll, I'll brief him. Anyway, whatever. You lot have been brilliant, as always, uh, only matched uh, by the excellence of the wonderful people who who listen to us every week in, in Mixler. It astonishes the, me that you all do, and I love you to pieces for it. You're absolutely brilliant. So give yourselves a massive, massive pat on the back for doing so. We will see you next week. Uh, do listen to the Love Sports Show, as I said, uh, and have a good week. We'll see you then. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it Chelsea. Up the Chelsea! It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Mother's Day is just around the corner, and it's time to pamper the special moms in your life. In what better way than with Osea's limited-edition skincare sets, featuring clean, vegan, cruelty-free products that are safe for your skin and the planet. Osea is a women-founded, women-led brand that's been making seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. This Mother's Day, Osea has two limited-edition sets, perfect for gifting or keeping for yourself. Their Golden Glow Body Set includes three clinically proven bestsellers for silky, smooth, glowing skin, while the Glow and Go Facial Set has everything she needs to achieve spa-level results at home. They're so beautiful, you can skip the wrapping. For a limited time, you can save up to $48 on Osea's sets, plus get free shipping. That's Mother's Day made easy. Pamper the moms in your life and get 10% off your first order site-wide with code MOM at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu dot com code mom.